um, digital technology. For those of you who are here for the first time and you wonder what we're doing, this is really a time of spontaneity. If you notice, no day is the same. We kind of just do whatever the Lord tells us to do. We just move in the spirit. We go in the spirit of the moment. But there's one thing that I commit to every uh, weekday morning, and that's in the reading of the word, because I believe one of the most critical activities for us as believers is to engage in the word of God and to engage not in just simply uh, piecemeal scriptures or in the verse of the day, but to actually read through entire swaths of texts to get the full theme of what God is saying, because I believe that it's enriching when we read the word through the context of the totality of the letter and through the context of the totality of the book itself. And so that's why we engage in this. That's why we do this. We spend time um, just hanging out, chilling. I, this is my first time doing it. Well, I said, you know, I'm just going to play some music before we get started because I was already in worship before I came on. So I said, you know what, let me just let me just bring you guys in, uh, get a peek into uh, what my mornings look like often when I just spend time alone with the Lord um, in prayer. Um, but that's what we do. And, and we read the word from a, a meditational posture. That is, we're reading the word to hear what God has to say, not simply to do Bible study and just to extrapolate from the word, but allow the word to extrapolate from us, allow the word to exegete us. And that's why um, I believe that this is an incredible endeavor that we posture ourselves appropriately in the reading of the word as we seek for the word to read us. Remember, the word discerns the thoughts and intentions of the heart. So what we're asking is, is what is God revealing concerning himself? What is God revealing concerning people? And what is God revealing concerning uh, me? Or for you, as you're reading it, what is God revealing concerning you? So we've got the whole world here. This is a live broadcast. We've got people from all over. I see Jamaica. We have people from Jamaica, Ontario, Canada. We have New York in the house. We have Perth, Australia in the house. We've got South Carolina in the house, Ohio, Virginia, Chicago, PG County. We got Upper Maryland in the house. We got LA. We got London. We have Virginia. We have Maryland. We have Pennsylvania. We have Dellen, Florida. We have Melbourne, Australia. I'm sorry. I said that wrong. It's Melbourne. Melbourne? I think it's Melbourne. I think that's how you're supposed to say it because we all say it wrong. Um, and I had a guy who's from Melbourne who told me, you're saying it wrong because I used to say Melbourne all the time. And apparently that's like whack. You don't say it that way. Um, so I'm glad I was corrected. Uh, we got Northern Virginia. I probably, I'm probably still saying it wrong, actually. Uh, we got Idaho in the house. We got North Carolina in the house, Minnesota in the house, Mississippi, Maryland, Chicago, Australia, London. Guys, this is amazing to see such a beautiful expression, a tapestry of the humanity of God, the, 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 the humanity, the, the, the tapestry of all different races and ethnicities and cultures. Bonjour, Queen B. Good to see you as well. Um, to see us embodying, um, this, this unique message grace, this, this bringing together of many people to uh, minister and to read in the word of God. It is beautiful. It is incredible to see us do that. And so, yeah, so, so today what I'm going to do is for those of you who don't know and aren't familiar, uh, what we do is the read and rant where we spend time in the reading of the word where we read for about 20 to 30 minutes. And then afterwards we spend, you know, whatever time is afforded to us to, um, to, 
you know, you guys get to endure my rants and whatever time is afforded based off of the things that we just prayed about. So I don't want to take much more time. Uh, we've already set the atmosphere. We're already in a worshipful place. I pray that that was a blessing to you. Maybe I'll do that more often where I just play some music before we get started just to set the tone and the atmosphere for our time in the reading of the word because we're not looking just to do Bible study. We're looking to actually hear from God. We want to engage with God in the reading of the word and so as we read the word, we are participating along with God. We're in a conversation with God. We want the Holy Spirit to inspire us, that we would be washed by the word, by the power of the Holy Spirit. And so um, let's engage. Let's engage. Father, we thank you in this time. Lord, as we um, gather, Lord, this group of people from all around the world, we got people from all over right now. Lord, from as far as Australia to South Africa um, to Nigeria and Kenya and Namibia, we have people from the Bahamas, people from Jamaica, people who are in all the corners of the United States, from the West Coast to the East Coast to the North and to the South, who have come together to engage in the reading of your word. Father, you have given us this promise that where two or three are gathered in your name, you are present in the midst. So, Lord, let us hear from you today. Let us hear from you. Let us glean the truth of your word. Let us be convicted by your word. Let us be encouraged by your word. Let us be empowered by your word. Let us be corrected by your word. Let us be edified by your word. For you have said in your word that your words are spirit and that your word is food and that it is the joy and rejoicing of our heart. And we say that in your name we pray. Amen and amen. Turn your Bibles to <clears throat> Titus chapter one. We are concluding week 10, guys. We are concluding week 10 today. We read every weekday for 20 minutes. We're concluding week 10. We've now gone through Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans, 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, 1 Thessalonians, 2 Thessalonians, 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy. And now we're in Titus. Look at how much Bible we get through just by reading for half a Netflix episode every morning. I'm not even asking you for a whole Netflix episode. I'm asking you to engage for half a Netflix episode every morning. And, it, and, and I've, I've gotten testimonies from you all about how powerful it has been for you and how enriching it has been for you. And so I pray that this will continue to be a blessing to you. Um, if you don't have enough time to listen to my rant, that's fine. As long as you spend time in engaging in the scripture. So read with those three questions in mind. Read with that posture. Read with that perspective of what is God saying concerning himself? What is God saying concerning people? And what is God revealing concerning me? So Titus chapter one, let us read. It says this, Paul, a bondservant of God, an apostle of Jesus Christ, according to the faith of God's elect and the acknowledgement of the truth, which accords with godliness. In hope of eternal life, which cannot lie, sorry, in hopes of eternal life, which God, who cannot lie, promised before time began, but has in due time manifested his word through preaching, which was committed to me according to the commandment of God, our Savior, to Titus, a true son in our common faith, grace, mercy, and peace from God, the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, our Savior. For this reason, I left you in Crete, that you should set in order the things that are lacking to appoint elders in every city as I commanded you. 
If a man is blameless, the husband of one wife, having faithful children, not accused of dissipation or insubordination, for a bishop must be blameless as a steward of God, not self-willed, not quick-tempered, not given to wine, not violent, not greedy for money, but hospitable. A lover of what is good, sober-minded, just, holy, self-controlled, holding fast to the faithful word as has been taught that he may be able by sound doctrine both to exhort and convict those who contradict. Hmm. For there are many insubordinate, both idle talkers and deceivers, especially those of the circumcision, Hmm. whose mouths must be stopped who subvert whole households, teaching things which ought not for the sake of dishonest gain. One of them, a prophet of his own, of their own, said, Cretans are always liars, evil beasts, lazy gluttons. This testimony is true. Therefore, rebuke them sharply, that they may be sound in the faith, not giving heed to Jewish fables and commandments of men who turn from the truth. To the things, tied to the pure, all things are pure, but to those who are defiled and unbelieving, nothing is pure. But even their mind and conscience are defiled. They profess to know God, but in works they deny him, being abominable, disobedient, and disqualified for every good work. (laughs) But as for you, speak the things which are proper for sound doctrine. That the older men be sober, reverent, temperate, sound in faith, in love, in patience, The older women, likewise, that they be reverent in behavior, not slanderers, not given to much wine, teachers of good things, that they admonish the young women to love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet, chaste, homemakers, good, obedient to their own husbands, that the word of God may not be blasphemed. Likewise, exhort the young men to be sober-minded in all things, showing yourself to be a pattern of good works in doctrine, showing integrity, reverence, incorruptibility, sound speech that cannot be condemned, that one who is an opponent may be ashamed, having nothing evil to say to you. Exhort bondservants to be obedient to their own masters, to be well-pleasing in all things, not answering back, not not pilfering, but showing all good fidelity that they may adorn the doctrine of God, our Savior, in all things. For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present age, looking for the blessed hope of the glorious appearing of our great Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify for himself his own special people zealous in Sorry, zealous for good works. Speak these things, exhort and rebuke with all authority. Let no one despise you. Remind them to be subject to rulers and authorities, to obey and to be ready for every good work, to speak evil of no one, to be peaceable, gentle, showing all humility to all men. For we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, deceiving, serving various lusts and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. But when the kindness and the love of God our Savior toward men appeared, 
not by the works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us. Through the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit, hmm. whom he poured out on us abundantly through the grace of our Savior that has been justified by his grace that we should become heirs according to the eternal life, according to the hope of eternal life. This is a faithful saying, and these things I want to affirm constantly that those who believe God should be careful to maintain good works. These things are good and profitable to men. Avoid foolish disputes, genealogies, contentions, and also strivings about the law, for they are unprofitable and useless. Reject a divisive man. After the first and second admonition, knowing that such a person is warped and sinning, being self-condemned. When I sent Artemis to you and Tychicus, be diligent to come to me at Nicopolis. For I have decided to spend the winter there. Send Zenus, the lawyer, and Apollos on their journey with haste that they may lack nothing. And let our people also learn to maintain good works, to meet urgent needs, that they may not be unfruitful. All who are with me greet you. Greet those who love us in faith. Grace be with you all. Amen. Grace be with you all. Amen. I'm going to take the opportunity right now to read uh, Philemon, Philemon. And um, and then we're going to talk a little bit about these two books, these two letters. Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, and Timothy, our brother, to Philemon, our beloved friend and fellow laborer, to the beloved of Aphia, Archippus, our fellow soldier, and to the church in your house. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God, making mention of you always in my prayers, hearing of your love and faith which you have toward the Lord Jesus Christ and toward all the saints, that the sharing of your faith may become effective by the acknowledgement of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus, for we have great joy and, consola and consolation in your love, because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed by you, brother. Therefore, Though I might be very bold in Christ to command you what is fitting. Yet for love's sake, I'd rather appeal to you being such as one Paul aged and now also a prisoner of Jesus Christ. I appeal to you for my son, Onesimus, whom I have begotten a while in my chains, who once was profitable to you, but now is profitable to you and to me. I'm sending him back. Therefore, receive him. That is my own heart, whom I wish to keep with me, that on your behalf he might minister to me in my chains for the gospel. But without your consent, wanting to do nothing that your good deed might not be by compulsion, as it were, but voluntary. For perhaps he departed for a while for this purpose, that you might receive him forever, no longer a slave, but more than a slave. A beloved brother, especially to me, but how much more to you, both in flesh and in the Lord? If then you count me as a partner, receive him as you would me. 
Hmm. But if he was wrong, but if he has wronged you or owes anything, put it on my account. I, Paul, am writing with my own hand. I will repay, not to mention to you that you owe me even your own self besides. Yes, brother, let me have joy from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in the Lord. Having confidence in your obedience, I write to you knowing that you will do even more than I say. But meanwhile, also prepare a guest room for me, for I trust that through your prayers, I shall be granted to you. Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Jesus Christ, greets you, as do Mark, Aristarchus, Demas, Luke, my fellow laborers. Grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen. And amen. Um, I went ahead and knocked out Titus and uh, I say Philemon. I've just been so used to saying Philemon, but others use the terminology Philemon. Um, Philemon. <laughs> um, whichever one works for you, that's fine. Um, I don't know why. I just got so used to saying Philemon. Um, Lord, speak to us, Lord, this morning as we engage in your word. Father, I, there's so much here. Lord, guide me and lead me to what you intend for me to hear from you about. And we say that in your name we pray. Uh, amen. We, we talked about this maybe two weeks ago. No, not two weeks ago. Maybe it was last week. We talked about, um, well, I, I gave you a peek into uh, how economics worked back in the days um, of the Roman Empire. And the reason why it's important for you to understand how culture and economics works is because it gives you context to what Paul is saying. One of the dangers that we engage in, and I'm going to get to the word because now the Lord is making it very clear what I need to say today. So stick with me for a moment as I rant and hopefully you get the word out of that. Um, I usually come in guys with nothing prepared. I'm just waiting to hear what God has to say. And so, um, always felt more comfortable as a preacher, just, you know, having notes out and getting ready to preach. But, um, it seems the Lord just wants me to rant <laughs> during this time. So this is the read and rant. So let me rant. No matter how discombobulated it is, I know that the Lord's word is coming through and the, the message of the gospel is going to propagate out of it. Um, but as I'm, as I'm reading this, I'm being reminded of the conversation that we had. Uh, if it wasn't a few days ago, it was last week about the Roman economy. And one of some of the most contentious parts of scripture, particularly speaking, as it relates to bond servants and slaves. Um, I've heard, and I actually heard it last week. I heard it last week in a clubhouse because I, I keep peeking into clubhouses to hear what people have to say. Um, but I heard in a clubhouse last week how they can't follow the Bible because the Bible or that they have to be selective about what they follow in the Bible because there are things that the Bible had condoned or permitted that now 
culture doesn't permit. So I have to interpret the Bible with my own common sense. And I said, well, since when was sense common? Since when did we interpret the scripture that way? That's a dangerous route to take because then you can create your own interpretation and you can pick and choose what you want. And if you pick and choose what you want from the scripture, which part, which part of the scripture do you pick and choose? Because to, from what I understand, we have a propensity to pick and choose the parts of scripture that best fit us, that make us comfortable, right? And so um, Clubhouse is an app. It's an app where people have these conversations and I kind of just pop in and out um, of these conversations. But the person was talking about how the Bible, they, they, they have to pick and choose parts of the Bible. They still believe in God, but they pick and choose the parts of the Bible because, again, you know, there are parts that, that, that they don't agree with and they use slavery as an example. And I found that interesting that they would use slavery as an example because um, the person said they condone slavery. And I quickly rebuttal and said, well, the scriptures never condones, never, ever, has never, ever condoned slavery. Because we've read it through our cultural lens, we used our sinful ideas and sinful thoughts, particularly speaking in the United States as a nation, to superimpose and to impose our own ideologies and racist tendencies um, upon culture and look to use scripture to bolster it. And that's the danger. The danger is that we use scripture to help propagate our own agenda. Rather than allowing scripture to change us, we use scripture to support where we already are. That's the issue we have. And yet nowhere in the scripture does it condone slavery. Now, is there slavery in the Bible? Yes. Nowhere was it condoned. Then people will point to these parts of scripture as we just read in Titus chapter three, when it speaks about how, uh, or Titus in Titus, when it speaks about how the church ought to live and how people ought to behave and it speaks, they don't understand the context where they see how slaves should, should honor their masters. And, and so they don't understand that. And, and I don't want to belabor that for too long. I don't want to belabor, belabor that for too long, but I just want to quickly give a point as we're reading in Philemon um, or Philemon, whichever one of whichever one you choose. But as we read and we see how the church ought to live, how the people ought to be with one another, it speaks to how slaves or bond servants should honor their masters. Um, it says in, in verse nine that he tells Titus, he says, "Exhort bond servants to be obedient to their masters and to be well pleasing in all things, not answering back, not pilfering, not showing all good fidelity, that they may adorn the doctrine of God our Savior in all things." So now what they did was they took scripture like this among maybe four or five other verses in the Bible. And because it wasn't looked within the full context and not understood, not only within its context, but within the context of the whole letter that they used this sliver of scripture to enslave and to propagate a sinful demonic agenda on a people. Now, why am I bringing all this up? Because you're going to see how this aligns with, with, with Philemon. If you understand the Roman economy, you understand that bond service was a payment for debt. Um, the idea of uh, what's being permitted here is not slavery, it's bond service. And I spoke about this before, that a bond servant was a person who served a bond. A bond is a debt. So they were serving a debt. The moment that they paid off their debt, they were free. These were not slaves as we would understand them, that is people who weren't free or did not have rights. These were people who were free. They chose to pay off their debt by serving the debtor, in this case, the master. And so if you're going to serve the master and you're going to pay your debt, pay it in obedience to your master. Okay. This is the Roman economy. Okay. And so this is the problem is that we, 
we say that the Bible condones slavery. No, it's it's a bond servant, not 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 chattel slavery, not people being owned as property. Um, th- th- this is not this did not exist, and the and the church did not ever condone this. It was never ever condoned by the church. Okay, um, but again, when you bring your sinful ideas into something, you'll take it and you'll you know you'll mold it into something that fits your own ideology, and so it ends up you know looking like what we saw for over uh, for over 200 years in the United States. Okay. Of course, we're in a season now where I believe that God is um, leading us to a place of repentance um, as a nation. I think we try to move on from it, but we never really repented from it. And so I think this is a season where we have to repent because we can't heal as a nation until we repent as a nation. I believe it's one of the things that is missing. And we can take a model or we can take a sliver from the history books of South Africa um, in the apartheid, that there was a season of um, corporate repentance. And so if we want corporate healing, corporate healing requires corporate repentance. And so I believe that that's coming very soon. And I look forward to that because my, my heart is to see the Lord reconcile all men to himself. That is that for those who are uh, descendants of of white slave owners, that they would be, um, that they would find not only repentance, but that they'd find reconciliation with the descendants of the black slaves that the white slave owners had owned, that the Lord wants to bring us all together and to make us one. He intends for us to all be one. This is God's plan of reconciliation, but that's in part, it cannot, it cannot start without a season of repentance. There needs to be repentance. And I talked about this before, that repentance isn't just uh, remorse, but repentance is much more profound than that. And and I believe that there's a, a, a move of the Holy Spirit that's happening, that's bringing us all um, to repentance. But that, that, that's, that's I don't want to belabor that point. That's not my point here. Um, and maybe we can do a whole conversation on that, but that's not why I'm here. I do want to point that out because it says, exhort your bond servants, and yet bond service was of economics and not of uh, slavery as we understand it. Okay, it wasn't. It wasn't racially driven um, or racially motivated. It wasn't to bring one people people group on another, but rather it was for those who owed a debt. And for those who owed a debt, the the, the it was permitted that they could serve their bond by serving the debtor, who is the master. So bond servants were not slaves. Okay, they just owed a debt. And I talked about this before, this incredible beauty that we see in in the book of of, of Philemon. In the book of Philemon, we see this beauty of the gospel that Onesimus, who we read about in um, um, not not too long ago, Onesimus, um, which we read a few books ago, uh, Onesimus was a, a, a convert of Paul's and Onesimus is uh, a runaway slave. How do we know that? Because we're reading it right here in Philemon. Philemon was his was was the master. Philemon was the slave master. Now, Paul was good friends with Philemon, and Philemon was the slave master to Onesimus, who was a runaway slave, who comes to Jesus, um, who comes to. Christ through Paul's ministry. Why am I bringing this up? I'm bringing this up because Philemon, it wasn't that Philemon was owned, sorry, it wasn't that Onesimus was owned by Philemon. 
it was that Onesimus had a debt to Philemon. He was a slave because he had a debt. And so when he ran away, he ran away from the payment of a debt. He was avoiding a debt. You know what's crazy? And and I know as a side note, I hope I don't rant for too long because this there's so much that I want to talk about. But I really want to speak on this. That a lot of us are Onesimuses. We have a debt to a lot of people around us. And rather than confronting the debt, we run from it. Like rather than confronting the debt that is owed, we run from it. We can't see the people that we infringed on. We avoid and run from the people that we have hurt, that we have taken advantage of. It's easy to just run away from your debt. But while you run away from the debt, it doesn't take away from the fact that there's still a debt. It it doesn't take away the fact that you still owe this debt. And Onesimus, who owed a debt to Philemon, who was his master, runs away lost because he's running, but he's got a chain on his neck. He's running, but there's this deep sense in him that there's a debt that's still owed. He's got work to do still. He's got work to do. He owes, he owes a debt to Philemon. And now Paul is writing a letter to Philemon because Paul, this is what the letter to Philemon is all about. Paul is writing this letter to Philemon through Timothy as well. He's bringing Timothy in this. But he writes this letter to Philemon to inform Philemon that he's sending Onesimus back to him. Wow. Imagine you were a runaway slave who you owed a debt to that you chose willingly to run from. And now you're being called to go back to the person that you owed. You see, the law would state that as a, as a runaway slave, not only has the debt not been paid, but, 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 but you could suffer debt from running away. You could suffer death from running away from your debt. Ah, but Paul sends Onesimus back. See, Onesimus is not a free slave. He's a runaway slave. He has semblances of freedom. I'm sorry if I sit here, but the Lord is really asking me to sit on this. So I'm going to sit on it. He has semblances of freedom. You know, he gets to move around without chains. He, he doesn't have to answer to Philemon because Philemon is distant from him. He doesn't, he doesn't have to answer to, um, to every, every, you know, his becking call. He doesn't have to serve this master. But he's not free. He looks free. But he isn't free. And if you talk to Onesimus and sit him down and ask him about what's going on in his life, he's going to tell you, I'm in hiding because I owe a debt 
to somebody. Uh, we don't know what he did to make him owe the debt. He might have borrowed some money. He might have done something to a family member of Philemon's. But he owes Philemon. He owes Philemon. He owes Philemon a debt. And now Paul says in verse 10, I appeal to you for my son Onesimus, whom I have begotten in my chains, who was once unprofitable to you. He's saying you lost money from this guy. But he was once unprofitable to you, but now is profitable to you and to me. And Paul makes a request that I'm going to send this slave back to you, this guy who owes you a debt. I'm going to send him back to you. He says, for perhaps, in verse 15, for perhaps he departed for a while for this purpose that you might receive him forever, no longer as a slave, but more than a slave. A beloved brother, especially to me, how much more to you both in flesh and in the Lord. He's saying this man who owes you a debt, you're going to have to forgive him of this debt. That's, 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 He's coming back, but he can't come back a slave. You're going to have to absolve him of the debt that he owes. Because even though he's been running around the city and even though he's been preaching the gospel and even though he's been following me and even though he looks free, he's not free. And the reality is for a lot of us as believers, we have semblances of freedom, but we don't really experience it. We still walk around with proverbial balls and chains feeling like we owe debt to people feeling like we've 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 done some people wrong we we owe some people money we've done some things we shouldn't have done and and yes i i, I am onesimus i've come to jesus ah but i've i owe a debt to somebody and i and i and i and, I, and, I, and i'm not at peace Imagine Paul finding out from a conversation that he has with Onesimus when Onesimus says to him, hey, you know your boy Philemon? Yeah, uh, I was his bondservant. Imagine that conversation. That you owe a debt to a fellow brother in Christ? And Paul's response was not, let me have a conversation with him. Paul's response to Philemon was, uh, to Onesimus was, take this letter to Philemon. Take this letter to Philemon. He doesn't have a conversation. He can't send a fax. He can't make a call. He's sending someone who owes somebody else something. He sends that person to that person with the risk that he will die or spend his entire life as a slave. Because now he has walked away from his debt. He's bankrupt. Ah, but Paul says to him in verse 17, I'm sorry, I'm just going to walk through this real quick. Paul says to him in verse 17, if then you count me as a partner, receive him as you would me. Paul said, Paul wrote in that letter. He said, when you see Onesimus, see me. 
Oh, when you see Onesimus, the one that owes you a debt, see me. <laughs> Look at me when you see Onesimus. When you see Onesimus from now on, don't see the debt that he owes, but see the apostle that brought you to faith. And then in verse 18, he says, but if he has wronged you or owes anything, put that on my account. Paul says, whatever he did, count it on me. Take everything that he did and count it on me. It's mine now. How much does he owe you? It's mine now. How much debt does he owe you? It's mine now. I'm taking his debt. I'm taking his debt. Whatever he owes you, count it to me. Count it to me. He can, he can come back to you. Th think about the bonus it took for Onesimus to hold that letter in his hand. To hold that letter in his hand. And he says, go back to Philemon. Count it on me. Count it on me. And Paul's saying, I will repay, not to mention that you owe me even your own self besides. He says to him, he's saying to Philemon, count it on me because you owe me, Philemon. You owe me. Onesimus owes a debt to Philemon and Philemon the debtor owes a debt to Paul and Paul is saying count it on me because you owe me you ought to be my slave huh. are you hearing me family He's saying to Onesimus, you have the power to forgive Onesimus because you have been forgiven of your debt. He says, I'm taking on your debt. So just count it on me. Let Onesimus go because I'll take whatever you owed me and I won't count it against you if you don't count what Onesimus owes against you. Onesimus owes a debt to Philemon. Philemon owes a debt to Paul. And Paul owes a debt to God. Paul who is the sinner of all sinners, the least of the apostles, Paul, who knows that he deserves no grace and yet the Lord has given it to him freely. Paul, who knows that he owes God everything, knows that he cannot hold it. He cannot hold anything against anyone because Paul owes him, owes to him. And yet, God doesn't count it against him because Paul encountered the truth of the 
gospel that there was one that he owed a debt to, but another who paid for him. He owed, the Bible says that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. And Paul knows he owes death and yet one paid the debt for him. And now that person who pays the debt for him says to him, count it against me. Count it on me. That's what Jesus does. Jesus takes all the debt that we owe and he says to us, count it on us. Count it on me. Count what Isaac did on me. You see, this is why I can come before God and why I can come before the Father. I can come before the Father because I've got a letter in my hand. And that letter in my hand says on it that my debt has been paid. Oh, I come boldly before the throne of grace knowing that I owe nothing to God because Christ paid it all by his sacrifice on the cross. I don't owe God a single thing. I can come boldly before his presence because my debt has been paid. My, my debt, my debt is paid. The Bible tells me that he is the propitiation of all sin, all sin, past, present, and future. He's paid for my sin. He's paid for my sons and he will pay for my grandchildren and pay for my great-grandchildren after. All sin has been paid for from generations before to generations after. It's paid in full. And what God's saying is he's saying, count it on him. Oh, a letter was written to God, the Father, by the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross to say that whatever he's done against you, count it on me. Count it on me. And we see the gospel coming to life because what Paul does for Onesimus is what Christ did for us. My first time really ever really preaching this text, but this text is so gospel rich. I've never preached this text, but I'm so overwhelmed every time I read it because we are all bond servants. We were all bond servants. We were all Onesimus. We were all runaway slaves. We were all runaway slaves. We owed a debt and we thought we could run from God and yet it leaves us anxious, depressed, full of shame, guilt. Can't find peace. You really can't find joy because that thing that I did when I was 18, I wish I could take it back. That thing that I did when I was 15, I wish I took it back. The thing I did last week, I wish, I wish I could take that back. And the thing that I did uh, two months ago, I wish I could take it back. And that thing that that burdens me, and I every time I think there's just a pit in my stomach, and I just uh, I'm running from God, but it doesn't heal me from the pit that I'm feeling inside. I'm running from God, but I'm not healed. I'm I'm running from God, but I I don't feel that peace that I should feel. I'm running from God, but I'm I'm not at peace. And I and and, and I'm Onesimus. And yes, I've encountered Jesus. But do we forget we got a letter in our hand? 
We got a letter in our hand, family. What Jesus is saying. Count it on me. Onesimus can come to Philemon, a free man, not because his debt has been paid, not because he paid his debt, sorry, but because his debt has been paid. Onesimus doesn't need to come to Philemon now and say, you remember that, 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 that money I owed you for this and that? No, he doesn't need to do that. Remember that thing I did and I know I, I, I messed up your whole business and I cheated on you and I did. He doesn't need to come to Onesimus with that. He doesn't, he doesn't, the reason why he doesn't need to come to Onesimus with that is because Paul said to count it on me. And what gives Paul the ability to say that is because Philemon owes Paul a debt. And the reason why Paul can do it is because Paul owed a debt to God. And the reason why Paul can do it, Paul knows his debt was paid by his father. And so his father, through the blood of Jesus Christ, and now he can, he can forgive anyone of the debt that was paid on him. Oh, Adrian, thank you for those words, Adrian. Thank you for those words, Adrian. I'm so encouraged by that. Repentance is not remorse. It's not remorse. You know, when we know, can you imagine? So I, um, I remember I had, uh, $24,000 in student loans because the borrower is slave to the lender, right? So we're slaves. If you got student loans, you're a slave. There you go. So we have to understand when it's slavery in the scriptures, they're just debtors. And we don't even realize this. I'm ranting. I'm sorry. I'm ranting. We don't even realize it, but the economy hasn't changed, Right? If you, if you owe $100,000 in student loans and you work and half of your paycheck goes to pay off your student loans, you, you understand that you're just working for the debtor. And it's, it's incredible. The day that your debt is paid, what it does. I remember um, I had $24,000 in student loans and uh, I have some more that I'm still working through. But I remember I've paid off a whole set of student loans. And I remember like getting that zero balance, like that zero balance. And oh my gosh, this weight was lifted. It was like this, this weight was lifted. Lifted. Credit card debt as well. Yep, you're slaves, you're slaves. So lifted right and um, and I remember writing down before that before I paid off the debt how much I owed I'm not ashamed of ever going back and looking at what I owed I look at that 24,000 I'm like I owed 24,000 it doesn't it doesn't hang on me when I owed it I didn't want to talk about it 
right? We are, for those of you who have student debts, you know you got student debts and none of us like to talk about it because of the weight that it puts on us. And none of us likes to share with anybody, even if we know what it is, because of the way it's put on. And some of us don't even like to look at it. We don't even like to look at it. Let's be real. We don't even like to look at it because of the way it puts on us. We just rather just ignore, you know, I'm just not going to look at it. It's on forbearance anyway. I just, I just can't, I can't look at it. Right? That's what sin does. There's some people right now who they see the sins of their past. They see the sins of their past and they go, oh, I can't even look at it. I can't even look at it. They said, don't talk to me about that debt. But when your debt is paid, do you have a problem talking about it? You think I have a problem right now talking about that I owe $24,000 student loans? You think I got a problem with it? I do not have a problem with it at all. You want to know why? Because it's paid. I like talking about it because it's an accomplishment now. <laughs> Let me ask you a question. Wouldn't it be the same? Because while we have, I see people with 60K in student loans. Listen, shame the devil. Tell the truth. There's some people right now are saying they owe $100,000 in student loans. There's some people right now who are saying, and you're, and, and you're going, you're going, man, it just, it's a weight on my life. It's a burden on my life. Imagine what burden it is on your soul when you still got debt you're holding on to from your past and the mistakes that you made. Imagine the burden on our country as Patty was just talking about, or sorry, as Adrian was just talking about. Imagine, imagine the burden on our country that we try to close our eyes to our dark history of slavery and, and we just try to move on, not realizing. It's when we actually confront it that we begin to experience healing. You know, it's when we confront it. A lot of what we're going through is because we're doing this. We're doing this. Yet the Lord wants us to confront it and get this. If your sins are forgiven, you think you're concerned about all those people you slept with back in the high school and all the people, are you worried about that anymore? Like that's a debt that you owed that now has been paid. It's been paid by the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross. So now you don't look back and go, I can't believe I was that person. I was that person, but now I've been found. You know, those people that you cheated on, those people that you lied on, those things that you did, you, you, do you hold that anymore? No, you boldly say, that's what I used to be, but Jesus paid the price. You're not weighted, you're not weighed down by it anymore because the debt has already been paid. Now you're free to look forward. And when your debt has been paid, you know how easy it is for you to forgive others? What gives Philemon the power to forgive Onesimus is to know that his debt was forgiven. Did you hear that family? The reason why Onesimus can be forgiven by Philemon, the reason why Philemon, what compels Philemon to forgive Onesimus is the fact that his debt was forgiven. 
Wow. Now, I'm not saying, oh, you got to keep, you know, you got to stay close to the person that continues to hurt you over and over and over again. That's not what I'm saying. Or maybe, you know, some relationships may not, you know, it may be that you got to move on from that. I understand that. But do you understand, though, that some of the pain that you're experiencing is because you have yet to have experienced the grace of God? Maybe you're holding on to some of the sins that people committed against you because you're still holding on to the debt that you have to God. I'm sorry, this is where the Lord is leading me. I thought I was going to do some stuff on Titus, but I'm here and I'm going to sit here because we need to sit here. There's some people right now in this chat. There's some people right now who they're having a hard time forgiving people. What if I told you that your difficulty to forgive people may be rooted in your belief that you have been forgiven, your unbelief that you have been forgiven. Maybe if you knew that you owed so much more to God than what anybody owes to you, you wouldn't wait for an apology to forgive. I hear people say, thank you for mentioning that, Gary. I have people who say, man, I just can't forgive myself for what I did. Well, thank God the debt's not on you. I have a hard time forgiving myself. Well, thank God you're not the debtor. I just can't forgive myself myself for the stuff that I've done. Good, because it's not yours to forgive. And maybe the moment that you know that you are forgiven. Then you would have the power to forgive. Maybe the moment that you know that you're forgiven, you'd have the power to actually heal. Maybe the moment that you're forgiven, you would know. No one owes me anything either. Oh, Gary, I know. <laughs> you know, when people hurt you, it still hurts. <laughs> when people hurt you, it still hurts. It still hurts. There's nothing, there's nothing more painful than to have somebody you trust infringe upon you. There's nothing more painful to have a business partner who just cheats you out. It hurts. No, no nothing takes away from the fact that it hurts. It hurts. Ah, but I still have the power to forgive. And the reason why I have the power to forgive is because my debt has been paid. Because I've been forgiven. I can forgive because I've been forgiven. The reason why you can have power to forgive is because Whatever you owe to God is infinitely more than what anybody owes to you. The reason why you can forgive is because whatever anyone has done to you doesn't even measure up or line up to what you've done to God. And it doesn't take away from the fact that what people have done hurt. It hurts. Ah, but you've got the power to forgive because healing starts in knowing 
that you've been forgiven. And when you know that you're forgiven, then you forgive. And when you forgive, then you can heal and move on. Unforgiveness is a ball and chain. And you don't need an apology to forgive. To forgive is literally to count their debt as zero. We can forgive the Onesimuses in our lives because we have all been Onesimuses. And maybe some of us are Onesimuses today. Maybe some of us are saying, I've done some stuff I shouldn't have done. I owe some debts I shouldn't have owed and I'm running and I'm running and I'm running and I'm running and I'm running. I came to tell you, you can stop running. There's a letter in your hand that says this. Count it against me. There's a letter in your hand from Jesus Christ who says, count it against me. Count it against me. It doesn't matter how what you've done. It doesn't matter how big the sin is. It doesn't matter. Count it against me. Jesus already paid for it. Jesus paid for all sin. No matter how egregious it is, he paid for it. The debt is not yours. And the debt against you isn't yours either. Generational curses, Patty. They come from a faith in something that's less than God. Do I believe that there are generational curses? Absolutely. They come from what we believe in. There are People who say, well, your mom was this, so you're going to be that as well. You begin to believe it. And when you believe it, you act on what you believe. And so from generation to generation, these words are being spoken into you. The break of the generational curse is Jesus Christ. That curse is broken by faith in Jesus Christ. Patty, anything other than the power that you have over the forces of the enemy and over the forces of darkness, anything that says that you're subject to that is a lie from the enemy. It is a lie from the enemy. If he can get you to believe that, then he can get you not to operate in the power that you already have. Adrian, I'm, I'm, I'm just so happy that we're having this conversation, Adrian. The reason why our country right now is under duress is because our country won't face its sin. The church is not facing its sin. And yet the desire that I have is to see all nations and all people come together in unity. But there is such thing as white shame and white guilt. And there is such thing as black anger, black pain and black indignation. And yet the only way to heal from that is for us to come together and confront the truth of those 200 years and to begin the process of healing together. And we can do that. It can happen, but it's not going to happen until we confront it. Anybody who tells you about a generational curse is someone who's given the devil more power than he needs to have. I'm sorry if I go there. I'm ranting. Anybody who speaks on, well, I'm under a generational curse is giving the devil more power than he, he ought to have. 
You know, the devil has no authority. He has no power over you. Christ gave you all authority and he gave you all power. If he gave you all authority and he gave you all power, then anything that the devil does in your life comes out of your permission. <laughs> there is no bondage for those who are in Christ. There is no death for those who are in Christ. There's only victory. And yet when we see believers who are being oppressed by the lies of the enemy, it's only because it's done by their permission. A mustard seed movement. You, woman of God, have spoken now the word that came to me today. And maybe the Lord wants me to say something because I know I'm over time, so I'm going to close. But I believe someone needed to hear what I just said from the book of Philemon. There's somebody right now who's, who's dealing with shame and dealing with guilt and overcome by it. I want to pray for you today. You're dealing with shame of your past, shame of your family's past, shame of the things that you've learned about your life, shame about the things that you've done. You feel guilty and you're full of shame. Today, we're going to release that. We're going to release that, Sherry. We're going to release that. We're going to pray. We're going to pray on that. But the one word that came to me as I was reading and a mustard seed movement mentioned it, and I just have to put it into the atmosphere and let the Lord do something with that. 